By now you'll have heard or seen that I'm working with a new golf app called Tangent, who are also sponsoring this show. It's the smartest AI caddy in golf and is able to recommend not only clubs to hit, but target locations based on the math behind strokes gained and your own personal shot patterns. Unlike many other shot trackers, it also takes into account and adjusts for hazards that are out there. It has sensorless tracking with an amazing automatic swing detection that you can use with your Apple Watch or your phone without any need to buy any attachments for your clubs. And my favorite part, the post-round analysis data helps you immediately see where you can improve and gives you simple breakdowns that you can dive into if you want much more detail about your stats. It then links this data to recommendations and actual practice drills that you can use to improve. Getting measurable data for both on-course and practice drills makes Tangent one of the best game improvement ecosystems that I've ever seen. So download Tangent for free on the Apple App Store or at tangent.golf and use promo code SWEET30, that's S-W-E-E-T-3-0, for 30% off. So you'll get a free trial, and if you like it and want to continue, it'll give you 30% off a subscription. So just try it out, play a few rounds with it, and I know you'll love it. So that's Tangent, T-A-N-G-E-N-T, and enter code SWEET30. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another episode of The Sweet Spot. This is John Sherman from Practical Golf. And unfortunately, my partner, Adam Young, is not available for this episode, so I'm going to go at it alone with my good friend, Woody Lashin. Woody, how you doing? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're, we're excited to have you back as our only repeat guest performance so far. Well, I, I enjoyed it last time. Hopefully, it'll be even better this time, although I, we'll, <laughs> we'll miss Adam. We will. This episode of The Sweet Spot is brought to you by the Indoor Golf Shop. You can find them at shopindoorgolf.com. They carry all the major brands of golf simulators like the Foresight GC Quad, Skytrack, Unicore. They can outfit your simulator studio at home with their new premium impact screen. It's one of the best in the industry. If you need mats, nets, they've got it. So check them out at shopindoorgolf.com. And thanks for their continued support. So Woody, last time you spoke with us about driver fittings, it was an incredibly popular episode. People wanted you back on, so we're going to do irons today. But quickly, I want to congratulate you on being the club champion of Wheatley Hills. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to finally win it after all these years. It, it's great to have. How, how old is your club now? Is it over 100 years old? Yeah, it's 110 years old now, I think. All right. So now you're, you're, on, the, you're on the big board. You're a piece of history. Yeah. I keep telling the guys I can't take my name off the board now. <laughs> so just a reminder to everyone, Woody is the co-owner of Pete's Golf. They're located in Mineola, New York, which is about, what, 30, 40 minutes east of New York City, Woody? Yep. Okay. They've uh, been one of the best fitters in the industry 
for decades, recognized by pretty much anyone who ranks fitters. They're always on the top list. So if you're around the New York metro area, you've got to work with them. So what are we talking about this time, Woody? We're talking about irons this time. Okay, we're going to be talking about... Yeah, everyone always refers to wedges as the scoring clubs, but I think irons is a more accurate description as, as scoring clubs now. As our friend Mark Brody came on the show a while back and shared his strokes gain data, and uh, he found that approach play, which is mainly iron play, is where golfers separate themselves the most from each other in terms of scoring. So this is important. This is a, this is a large chunk of scoring takes place with irons. Yeah, yep, and and probably the 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 second most important club to get fit with the putter with the putter being number 1 nobody does <laughs> we're definitely going to do a whole a whole episode about putter fittings that's interesting you said that that's the, the most important we'll have to tackle that in a separate episode so we have a lot to talk about from a top level view where where do you start with irons like what's the overall goal well, I think just like in any other fitting, right? The the we have to have a conversation with the player to find out what they what their goals are, what they think they're doing, what the problems with their current set of irons may or may not be. Like with any other fitting, you know, I think the most important thing we tell people is that if we find something better, we're going to give it to you. But there may not necessarily be something better just because your clubs are, you know, five years old doesn't mean there's necessarily something better. So that's, you know, so you're always going to, you know, start with a conversation. How often do you play? Where do you play? What's your handicap? Are you taking lessons? Are you practicing? You know, one of the questions I often ask, I'm like, do you have young kids? Are you, you know, it's because often someone will say, yes, I'm going I'm to take lessons. I'm going to do all these things. And I start diving into it and they got three kids that are, you know, three, five and eight. And they got a business and, you know, we start talking and they really want to do that, but that may not necessarily be reality. And we want to make sure that we are going to, you know, work together with them to help them find something that's going to make them enjoy the game better and, and hit more consistent shots. I will tell you, I think one of the biggest problems in iron fitting is that it's uh, people put t- look at it like a driver fitting. Oh, I'm hitting this seven iron 175 and my seven iron's going 160 and this other one's going 165. I, I-, I want the one that goes 175. Well, that may, may may very well be not the best iron for you for a multitude of reasons. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off there for a sec because I got a thought. With the driver fitting, and everyone can go back to that episode if they haven't heard it yet. It's not necessary that you listen to it first. But, you know, the goal of a driver fitting and goal of drivers is, you know, you want to hit the ball as far as possible while, while keeping a reasonable left to right dispersion. Irons are different though. These are, these are distance control shots. Left to right dispersion of course is important, but now we're starting to worry more about what you alluded to is distance control. So, you know, there's, there's certainly a proliferation of these distance irons and loft jacking. So is that, is that kind of what you're talking about as someone getting sucked into that, the promise of hitting something farther, it must be better. Yes, we we gotta address that loft jacking thing because that, that that's that's not that's that's a that's a bad term. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I I I agree. It's a bad term as well. I shouldn't have used it that way. That's that's okay. Well, I think I think you know a lot of people think all they do is make the lofts stronger, and that's not necessarily the case. We we can talk about that now. We can talk about it later. It's up to you, but. Well, let's go into, we, we broke down the driver fitting discussion. We started with head profile because you felt that was the most important to get right or start with on a driver fitting. Is that is that where you start with irons? Is, is getting the head right the most important thing as well? 
I don't know most of, I think, again, the head has probably more control over what the golf club does. But with irons, in most cases, we're actually going to work the other way. We're going to do shaft. Okay. First. All right. So you want to start there? All right. And, and the reason for that is that we, we're, we're looking to try and find a shaft that's going to be, allow us to be the most repeatable hitting the center of the club face with the most consistent patterns. You know, one of the big things that I've talked about in driver fitting, but it's the same thing in iron fitting, is that someone says, well, I hit the ball low. I want a high launching shaft. Well, if that high launching shaft uh, does allow the, bo- the ball to launch higher, but you're also starting hitting it all over the place, didn't really help you play any better golf. And there's a lot of players that hit the ball low that put a lot of force on the bottom of the shaft and thus will hit that so-called high launching shaft crooked, both left and right. There's also a point in, in shafts where, you know, high launching shaft might be high launching in a row, but it doesn't mean it's high launching for you. So there's three major factors in, 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 in shaft. Number one is weight. In an iron shaft, we can go as light as about 40 grams, maybe 42 or 43 grams. We can go as heavy as about 135 grams. You can cover pretty much the whole gamut with graphite from 40 to, let's say, 130. And from steel, you can go that 135. We actually have a prototype shaft. It's 140 grams we've been fooling around with, but that's extreme, down to about 85 grams. Every seven to 10 grams is going to make a difference in weight. Okay. So, so for a golfer who, let's say, you know, we're always speaking in the context of someone who might be buying off the rack or an internet retailer without even like knowing how weight could, could possibly affect their game. Like, and I know we don't have forever to go into each of these things, but what are your kind of key thoughts on, on weight and getting it right and what it could do for your game? And conversely, if you don't get it right, what happens? So uh, if, let's say, assume a shaft is too light. Someone's going to have a very hard time repeatedly finding the center of the club face and getting a, a consistent ball flight. If a shaft's too heavy, they're also going to have that same problem. So it's critical to get it to get it right. Uh, simplified, the fast you swing, speed-wise, in theory, you'd want a heavier shaft. Really, it's more important the quicker your tempo is, the heavier the shaft you're going to want. So let's say we have two players that both swing the 7-iron at 90 miles an hour. One might do that very smoothly and might be able to use a 100-gram shaft where the other does it abruptly and with a short backswing, and they're going to need a 125-gram shaft. And that's something you're noticing while you're watching a player hit balls. You're kind of taking notes of, of how much load you think they're applying to the shaft based on the tempo of their swing? Correct, correct. Tempo and length of swing is so much more important than speed as, as I've talked about with, with, with driver. It's a, it's, you know, speed is, you, you, there's, there's many different ways to create speed. Simply just think about it. Let's say that you create 80 miles an hour with your seven iron swing you have a full, and you have a full backswing. Someone else who has a three quarter backswing is creating the same 80 miles an hour. They've got a lot less time to create that 80 miles an hour. Therefore, they're going to put a lot more force on that golf shaft. Someone who's got an even shorter backswing has got even less time and is going to put even more force on that golf shaft. Okay, so then going going in the opposite direction, the players who are not swinging as fast or not applying as much force to the shaft, one or the other or both, 
they're going to need a lighter shaft, correct? Yes, correct. So I'm sure a lot of people, I didn't get this question on Twitter, but a lot of people are wondering because there's more options than ever with steel and graphite, correct? When it comes to weight, like how are you deciding whether you're going to put a player into graphite or steel shafts? Is there a rule of thumb or is it just kind of a decision? <laughs> I know there's no rule of thumb, but like give me an example of why you would put someone in graphite over over steel at this point. Well, so if uh, uh, well, well, again, I need I, I need lighter weight. I need someone who needs a, a 50, 60, 70 gram shaft. I cannot get that in steel. So I'm absolutely not going to going to be able to go there. Obviously, because I can't. It's not available. It doesn't exist. Yes. There are some cases where I want, let's say, a 100-gram shaft, but I want it with a, what's the next thing we'll talk about is profile. I want it with a stiff tip. I cannot get that in steel shaft at that weight. I need to go to, to at least 110 or 115 grams to accomplish that with steel. Okay. So I would have to then go to some, some kind of graphite or a graphite uh, steel composite shaft, like a steel fiber, to accomplish that. Okay. But... One of the other things I will tell you is that let's say, you, you, again, each player is it's player specific. and I, I can't stress that enough. I'll give you an example. I work with a gentleman the other day. He's 62 years old and he's a six or seven handicap, good player. He's using 125 gram shafts and he had got some new clubs and he's like, yeah, I, I can't control these things. And they were 97 gram shafts in there. If you watched him swing, you'd say, well, he probably could handle 90 that 97 gram shaft. But guess what? He's been playing with that 125 gram shaft for 20 years. It's way too big a jump for that mm-hmm. guy to go from 125 down to 95. Got it. And we found something at 110. And one of the things we do a lot of times with good players, we let them take it, take the test club out. And he went, I went to hit, I hit every shot I possibly kind of could with that club. And I could do everything and more than I could do with my old iron. And he couldn't do any of that with the with the with the lighter weight. That, that doesn't mean that if he worked and spent a lot of time practicing with that lighter weight, when it might be good for him, you know, at his age and, and, and his tempo and everything like that. But he's gotten so used to using something, whether it's and that's a heavy, but there's also the lightweight exception also that you'll you'll just completely shock them if you go too far the other way. And this Guinness is player specific and why you have to have that whole conversation of what is someone doing, how long they've been playing, et cetera, et cetera. Got it. So if we can move on to profile, is profile number two importance for Iron Shaft? Profile is number two, correct. This is kind of backwards from drivers, right? This is a little different. No, no. I mean, weight was still number one, profile number two, and and uh, Chef Flex is, is, is number three. Most people would think, assume Flex is number one usually, but I'm glad yeah, we're they, doing this. They... <laughs> 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 I'm still learning from you. All right, let's do, let's do profile. So profile is where the shaft bends. The layman might use the word kick point. There is no kick point in a, in a, in a, in a golf shaft. There is a profile which shows us where the shaft tends to bend more or bend less. So let's say you have your butt of your shaft to your tip of your shaft. Now, the butt is always going to be the stiffest part of the shaft, and it's going to descend down to the tip section. But there's a lot of different ways that it can do that. It could descend on a straight line, which would be a shaft that would be basically equal flex throughout. Most players are going to find that feels really stiff. Even though it doesn't mean you can get it as weak as you want or as stiff as you want, it's going to feel really stiff because there's no 
point in the shaft in which you will feel the shaft move. Then you have shafts that are stiff in the button that the tip section gets stiffer. That would actually might feel softer to a lot of players. A lot of good players like that feel because they can feel that move, but it's more in, in, the, in the middle. Sometimes a shaft will get be really stiff throughout the middle section and really drop off down towards the tip. That what's what you would call a, in theory with a robot, a shaft that would be a low kick point or a high launching shaft. I, but I, I can't stress this to you enough that golfers are not robots. And so what works on a robot does not work in practicality. I, I can't tell you how many times I had a player come in and they're like, yeah, I need to hit the ball higher. And they've got, a, they've, they've got so-called a low bending shaft. And we put a shaft in there. It's a, it's a much higher bend and they hit the ball way higher. And that's because of how they release the golf club. They can feel it. And they react to it because they're not robots. And they go, oh, with this, this so, really soft tip, I've got to keep my hands way ahead. And that forces the ball to launch lower. When they don't have that feeling and that sensation, not all the time, but sometimes, they'll actually launch it much higher. That's interesting because someone actually asked, one of the questions we got on Twitter is, how could you add more height? to your shots without changing loft and irons. Would, would that be one way to it with experiment with the profile of the shaft? Absolutely. Absolutely. The right profile of, of, of the shaft, th- the right profile will let you launch it consistently. That might be something that launches it higher also mm-hmm. if you're using the wrong one. Or you could do it, you know, conversely, if the player is launching it too high, you'd want to change the profile to get it launching a little bit lower, correct? Right. But again, it's, it's, I'm going to say that's an after effect. Yes. Okay. I'm not doing that to affect the ball flight. I'm doing it to affect the consistency. Got it. I think it's backwards the way most people think, oh, I want to hit the ball. That doesn't mean the person hits the ball low, doesn't maybe need that type of shaft. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's too many exceptions to say that that is a a good rule of, of, of thumb. So when someone buys an iron set, like generally what's showing up? I'm always going back to the off the rack thing, but what what kind of profile is like typical that ends up in clubs? Like if someone's just buying iron, you know, without understanding these things, like what are they getting? Right. So I guess the the question then is the club that you're buying. So the manufacturers say if someone's buying a super game improvement golf club, chances are they need a lighter, softer tipped shaft. Okay. If someone's buying a, a player's iron, Chances are they're going to want a stiffer, heavier shaft, stiffer tipped, heavier shaft. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of different ones. I mean, in in that stiff tip zone, right? You've got like a Dynamic Gold. You've got a Project X. You've got a Project XLZ. You've got a a, a Modus 125. And the the list goes on. There's a lot of different shafts, but they're going to choose the one that they think will work best for, you know, the majority of people they think will be buying that golf club. But of course, there's exceptions because, you know, you might have a more skilled ball striker that or a faster swing speed that doesn't need that profile and vice versa for the, the slower swing speed person, right? There's way more exceptions than there is a rule. Got it. <laughs> way more. So you have all these golfers out on the course hitting irons with profiles that might not be right for them. And what and that that's is it mainly affecting the height of of their shots? Like what what is it? No, it's affecting their consistency. Yeah, so they so they they hit one shot to the right, they hit one shot next shot to the left, they hit one over a green, and they hit one short. It's more about consistency. Yes, it's ball flight, but ball flight's consistency, right? I mean, 
I would say to a player, well, the player says I'm a low ball flight player. I'm like, well, would you take a low ball flight that's consistent that you know is is going to fly the way it's the same way every time, or would you want a higher ball flight that might stop the ball better on the green, but it's going to go left, it's going to go right? What would you prefer? I, I I'm taking the one that that flies low, and I know how it's flying. I can play much better golf that way. Sure. How many golfers come through your door with a profile that's like? way off is it is it quite common or is it you know i know you don't have a certain percentage but how often are you fixing this i mean when 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 if we don't like the golf club you're fixing it almost every time if you like the golf club then there's, there's probably a chance you're not i mean it's all over the place i would say this to you if a customer has been fit before by us then there's there the, the chance we're not changing the profile we might change the weight if they've gotten older but we're probably not going to change the the profile okay so like it's a, it's like anything else you're trying to match this to the dna of someone's golf swing correct correct and it's about consistency and repeatability i love those words all right let's go to you want to tackle flex now yep the flex correct so remember that there are no standards for anything in golf shafts and and one of the things you alluded to was like you know if i'm uh, uh what shaft comes in what head so if i'm buying a super game improvement club the manufacturers go, well, the person that's buying this, they, they, if they're buying a stiff, they, 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 they don't really need a stiff. They probably need a regular, but they need emotionally that says stiff. So let's make that shaft softer. And if they're buying a regular, well, they probably really need it really soft. So let's make that even softer, like a, a, a senior flex. On the other hand, the guy's buying a, a, a player's iron and, 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 well, that person, they're getting, getting a heavier shaft, right? Well, let's make that shaft stiffer because the person there that's getting a stiff really needs a, a, a stiff shaft. You could have the exact opposite, right? You could have someone that's, you know, needs that, that, that lighter shaft, but needs a much stiffer shaft. And someone needs a heavier shaft, but needs it weaker. But they're playing the percentage game, right? They're playing the, you know, we're trying to cover as, as broad a spectrum as we can in our stock golf club. I think that's one of the main things that you know i've certainly learned from you and, and really the question i always see golfers asking is just like well what's the difference you know i'm buying this you know tailor-made iron or this oem's iron and i think what you're saying is like they they try and make certain models to fit the most scenarios of golfers they can but of course they can't get it all right so they're trying to cover <laughs> their bases with all of this stuff. But when people say like, well, what's the difference in all these clubs? I, I think, you know, Woody is slowly unraveling this for you. Of course, it's hard for a golfer to figure it out themselves. But I, one of the main reasons I want you on here is just to educate people about the differences. So pretty much what you're saying is that like, <laughs> we are all unique fingerprints in this game and they don't necessarily always match up to the club manufacturer's intended mixture of these weight profile and flex yes and, and for that reason by the way if you're going to a big box store most manufacturers are offering two three four five different options at at no upcharge now, there's a lot more options if you go upcharge that they're they're trying to give you a couple of choices that the same cost and is it similar to we we talked about this on the driver shaft episode like the difference between aftermarket versus stock whereas the aftermarket you're paying for more quality control and and you're getting more options and you're more confident that what you're actually getting is going to be what it says versus 
a lot of stock chefs, you've talked a lot about that you don't always get what you think you're getting. There's some quality control issues. Is that is that the case with iron chefs as well? Less in steel than it is in graphite. Okay, so there's more margin of error for graphite then. Right. So if, if you will, let's say we, we, we want to build a shaft, right? We want to build a graphite shaft. For a, 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 a couple hundred thousand dollars, we could build one in your basement, okay? You want to build a steel shaft? There's five, six places in the world that you can have one built. And you're not building a factory to build a steel shaft unless you're spending, you know, maybe tens of millions. I don't know. But that, that there's, there's very few places in the world that you can have a, a steel shaft made. Thus, the, the, the limit of manufacturers, right? You've got, you know, True Temper. You've got KBS. You have Nippon. Those are the, the, big, the big three. There's one other Korean company I always forget. And then there's Shimada, which is a Japanese company, a small Japanese company. But there's, 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 you know, not a lot of places you can get them. That does not mean that there isn't quality control issues. I just had a major manufacturer talk to us today about, hey, they got a big shipment in of chefs from a major manufacturer, and they, none of them passed their quality control. So it can happen even with steel chefs. Less likely, but it can happen. So for someone who's, you know, maybe at one of these big box stores or they're working with a fitter, why would someone go with the more expensive premium option versus the stock option? Or at least I know there's a million answers to that question probably, but what are, you know, can you give me just a couple of thoughts on that? Because I know people wonder about that is like, just because I'm spending more money, is it going to make me play better? No, if it's not, if, certainly if it's not right for you, it's not going to make you play, it might make you play worse. It, you, you, if you're going to spend more money on, on, on a shaft, you need, really need to have some professional advice on what you're, you know, that, it's going to work better for you. I can't tell you how many people come in to me and say, oh, I got these. And I'm like, yeah, they're great shafts, but they're not great for you. And you would have been better off with the stock shaft. So there, there, there is, you know, there's no, uh, oh, just because, I, you know, there, there's always two things with the higher grade shaft, right? There's a quality control in manufacturing. Anyone knows anything about manufacturing processes means there's tolerances. You're very difficult to, you know, you're not going to produce something the same way over and over again, identical, unless you're building for uh, this, you know, a, a space, a, a rocket or something like that. You, you, there's, a, there's an economic thing. We say, okay, well, these are our tolerances, right? Some companies have a large tolerance. Some companies have a lower tolerance. But that said, that company that has, and I'm not gonna, I don't, I'll never say anything bad about anyone. I know the companies that have better tolerances. I know the companies that have tighter tolerances. You don't have to name them. You can speak generically, of course. We're not, we're not looking to sully anyone's <laughs> reputation on this show. But that doesn't mean that that lower quality chef. Well, maybe it's not as good a quality, but man, it's the right profile for for this for that player. So I'll choose that every time, because even though the quality of the chef might not be as good. It's going to perform better for that player because they need what that the other things that that shaft offers. Got it. We took a little detour there. Are there any other main thoughts on flex before we start moving on? Because we have so much other things to discuss as well. Yeah, I think the the I touched on this a little bit earlier. Someone swings shaft A and they go, "This shaft feels really stiff," and they swing shaft B and they say, "This shaft feels really soft." Then they swing shaft C and they say, oh, it feels just right. Those three shafts might be identical in weight and flex, but they might be different in profile. 
and that's what will make one feel stiffer. It's when we'll make one feel softer. And that can, that, that's dramatically, I'd say, I'd say, for example, we need someone to put someone in, in an extra stiff flex. The, the one shaft that, that feels too soft to them, even though it's the extra stiff, uh, stiff flex, is not gonna, may not work well for them. But the one that doesn't, that, that doesn't move at all or doesn't feel like it moves at all because it's that flat profile I talked about might be no good for them also. This is, this is way too stiff. So a lot of times what you're feeling if you're trying things of the same flex is that profile. Man, I, uh, you guys have a hard job. I'm just like thinking about all of the different permutations. I mean, we haven't even gotten into heads yet. <laughs> so I'm always looking at, you know, how many different shafts you guys have when I go in the shop and I'm like, how do you guys know how to match all this up? But, you know, this is why you do it for a living and you're the experts. We got to talk about size, right? Yeah. We talk about size, right? So, and reality, when I'm fitting someone, I'm going to usually do size first. Sometimes I will do shaft first if the, I think the size is kind of close, but you need to get them in the right, the, the right size. So size is, is three things. It's length of shaft. Remember, that there's no standards in golf. So one company says our standard length is 37 inches. The other company's standard length might be 37 and a half. And also how they measure it might be very different. The, the, the manufacturers do not all measure the same. So when you go on the, the website and you see lengths and you say, oh, 37 inches. And then how can I put that 37 inch next to this other company's 37 inch and it's a quarter inch longer. They measure differently. That that just sounds wild to me. How do you measure differently? But maybe <laughs> I, 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 we, we, we could spend a while on yeah. <laughs> why they measure differently. But the, the fact is that they do. Okay. Uh, on, the only club they all measure the same is driver because the USGA has a rule for how you measure a driver. So the uh, the number two thing is lie. Now on irons, lie is critical. We, we measure it using a, a foresight, so we're measuring it with a, a camera-based system that's measuring it. You know, there's an old-fashioned way of putting tape on the bottom and having someone hit of a board. That's called a lie board. I will tell you, if you're getting fit using a lie board, be very careful. The lie board often lies. So are we uh, veering off into head a little bit here? No, 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 just size. So okay. Simply, just simply, just simply talking size. Got it. Okay. So the lie angle of the iron. So it, it, if some think about it simply. I put my iron down on the ground. If someone looks behind and they see the toe up in the air, in theory, that club is too upright. If they, if they see the toe in the ground and the heel up in the air, that club is not upright enough. Now, that's not the right way to do it because that's at address, and we only care about what the iron is doing at impact. So I could start with the toe on the ground then come through with my heel into the ground first and vice versa. So where it sits at address is not really relevant to fitting, but I think for the average person trying to figure out what does lie mean, that's that's what we're talking about. We want the club to enter equally, right? We want to have it to enter so that the entire golf club enters the ground at the same point in time. You don't want the heel entering first. You don't want the toe entering first. Now, there are times, and we see it a lot, where a player comes in and the, the toe is entering the ground way too early, but that's a swing flaw. Right. And so we've had a conversation with this player and we know that this player is going to work on their their game and they're going to 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 try and change it. We're not going to adjust for that swing flaw. On the other hand, we get the person playing 25 years. They, they they're not going to take any lessons. They're not going to do any better. 
we're going to try and adjust somewhat for that that swing flaw with the with the lie angle. So, aside from you know, obviously the goal is to have the sole of the club as flat as possible on the turf or evenly distributed at impact. That also starts to have issues with directional control, right? If if you have yes, so this is this is a really important point to talk about. I think I am trying to produce a consistent effect. And so I'm trying to get the iron to impact the ground flush. And I will worry about the ball going left or right behind the player, how the player uses it. A lot of fittings are done. Someone hits the ball to the right, I'm going to make it more upright. Someone hits the ball to the left, I'm going to make it more flat. They are trying to adjust for ball flight with lie angle. I don't like to do that. I, 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 because the problem there is that you now make consistency of strike much less. Because let's say, for example, the guy is that person, the typical, the guy loses it to the right. Okay, that's, you know, I don't know, 60% of your golfers. Oh, I'll make the iron more upright. Well, now, if that guy hits the ground a little bit early before ball, nobody hits the ball fat, right? But let's assume that you do hit it fat. That iron face is going to shut down and the ball is going to go left. Because there's resistance in the heel, there's no resistance in the toe. And that is then going to give this player this left and right miss that should not be because they made the club more upright. It's also going to make the a lot harder for the player to access the center of the golf club, right? Because the club isn't coming in flush to the ground, so they're going to access more of the toe and a little bit lower on the face. So I do not like to use lie for ball flight. There are always are exceptions to the rule, right? I always say in fitting, right? There's no hard and fast rules, right? There's no, you must do this for every player. That, 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 that doesn't exist because there are always exceptions to the rules. And, and one of the reasons why lie angle is so important is that we're hitting a drive, let's say a drive that goes 250 yards. On a robot, if that lie is off one degree, that's going to give you two yards left or two yards right. On a wedge shot that goes 100 yards, on a robot, that one degree of lie can be 12 yards left or 12 yards right. So just so people understand, if the toe is up in the air at impact for a right-handed player, all things being equal, what will that do to their ball flight? In theory, it would make the ball go left. Okay. And vice versa, if their heel was up in the air. Ball go right. So, I mean, I, I lived through this myself. I remember when I came back to you guys, I worked with Kirk Gori. This was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. My older ping irons, they hadn't been touched in years. I think Pete, your your co-owner, had fit me for them when I was like 22 or 23. My swing was completely different. And then I went in to see Kirk and he was looking at it and he's like, these are way too upright. You must be, you know, and I was hooking the ball at that point. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was too upright. And when he flattened them out by what was probably two or three degrees, it it helped. I was like, oh, I don't have to play this. The the hook wasn't as bad. So I've lived through these lie adjustments. And they it's one of those things where if you don't have it right, you're you're making the game a lot harder for yourself. Right, right. The other thing, again, on a robot, if the club is too upright, so the heel is first, is down first, it's effectively making the face aim left. If the toe is in the ground first, it's effective in making the face aim right. So that's going to affect your start position. So if, if you're, in your case where the club is too upright, 
the club with the ball was going to tend to start left. Yep. Well, if you're drawing it, you're going to start it to the right. Exactly. I remember, yeah, consciously having to like play it further out to the right was the feeling I had. And when it was adjusted, I was like, okay, I don't have to exaggerate that as much. Right, right. So lie angle is critical, absolutely critical. And, you know, sometimes, by the way, shaft can affect lie angle. That's why I say don't always do it size first. Sometimes I'm doing it sometimes in coordination because sometimes a shaft... Every shaft has what we call droop in it, meaning that it's bending from the handle down towards the, the uh, heel at impact. And some shafts will droop more, some shafts will droop less. Well, the more droop in the shaft, the more, more the toe is going to be down on the ground. I interesting side note, 30 years ago, Carson Solheim bought the first uh, high-speed uh, camera uh, from anyone non-military. And he got, had his own, you know, a ping man, which is, a, you know, a robot. And he puts the camera on, and he's watching, and he sees the shaft bending, what we call this droop. And he's like, well, how am I going to fit for a lie angle? Because he, he's, he's realizing that the most important thing, if I'm going to fit someone, is, is to get the size right. So how am I going to get the size right? And now, look, this is affecting the, 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 someone swinging faster. It's, it's drooping more. Someone swing. I, I, I got to eliminate that droop. So he put, uh, uh, he, he had Tripper make him a, the, the, uh, the ZZ light shaft, and it was like a double X. And so it would not droop on his robot. And he was, because he was fitting, he was so into lie, fitting in, 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 in lie. Of course, they figured out before, you know, most of us did that, well, wait a minute, that, yes, it stopped the droop, but it caused all these other problems because the shaft was not loading and unloading and working the right way. But, it just goes to show you how, how important lie angle is, and there are certain things you could maybe do to make the lie angle be better, but it, that might be detrimental to the player. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things I, I certainly learned from, from you guys is that if, you know, for, for a club that is important directionally, left and right, you know, that's hitting or missing greens, and you're playing with the wrong lie angle, then you're likely making compensations you might not need to. It's just, again, it, it's not playing your the club with the way your swing is intended to. You're making the game harder for yourself. Correct. Let's take a quick break there, and we're going to be right back. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash sweet spot. LinkedIn is not just a job board. It helps you hire professionals you cannot find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to a new perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Also on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Just recently, they even launched a new feature that helps you write your job description, making the process even easier and quicker. And they know that small business owners like myself and Adam are wearing so many hats and might not have the resources to hire. So it's a great place to get help. Now here's what you can do. Post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash sweet spot. That's linkedin.com forward slash sweet spot to post your job for free. 
Terms and conditions apply. We have an exclusive offer on one of my favorite golf shoe brands, True Linkswear. They just released their new Lux G Shoes, which is their first big release of 2024, and it is packed with a ton of features. The Lux G is available in both men's and women's models, and it combines tour level performance with a new fit and feel. You'll get the comfort that True Linkswear is known for with their Wonderlux midsole for a supportive yet comfortable ride. The Lux G is also fully waterproof with a two-year warranty, and they have designed it with their padded heel lock system to ensure stability throughout the entire golf swing. But they didn't stop there. True Linkswear always pays attention to the small details. There's padding on the back to prevent rubbing against your foot, an antimicrobial comfort insole, and the Lux G's come in multiple colors. Sweet Spot listeners can get 15% off the Lux G shoes by visiting truelinkswear.com and using promo code SWEETSPOT. Once again, that's truelinkswear.com and use promo code SWEETSPOT, that's one word, to get 15% off their new Lux G shoes. And we are back. So we're going through size, length of shaft, lie angle. What else is there with size? There? There's, there's grip size. Grip size. Okay. Any any hard and fast rules or no? <laughs> well, as I, as I told you with, with, with driver, at the end of the day, I can tell you what might look that fits best in your hand. Yeah. But the, 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 sh- it's, the grip has got to feel comfortable in your hand. And there's an old theory, make the grip bigger, the ball goes more to the right. Make the grip thinner, the ball goes more to the left. I'm here to tell you that's totally untrue. People rotate their hands differently. How the club sits in their hands, a lot of times the bare grip can actually make them hit the ball more to the left and not to the right. You know, in theory, we're looking, if you're looking at someone's hand, if they're holding it the right way, which I don't know, I don't know what is the right way, but if it's to me where I'm looking at someone more in the fingers and less in the palm, I want their fingers just touching their palm. But man, that's, a, that's just like a real rough starting point. I will say if there's any ladies listening, I hope and hopefully there are, a lot of ladies have long fingers and therefore they need a much larger grip. If you got really long fingers and a shorter palm, you need to look at a, look at a larger grip. So this is part of the fitting where you're like taking like more anatomical things into consideration? Well, right. I'm, I'm going to look what they're using. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to see how they're holding the golf club. But again, everyone kind of holds the club differently, right? So I'm sure. looking how they're, they're holding it. And part of our fitting is we actually blow grips on and off for different sizes and, and see how someone reacts. And that way we find, the, we find the right size. We can then put that grip on every club for our fitting. So the person is, you know, who needs a larger size grip or a smaller size grip is actually trying that shaft and that head with the right size grip. Do you get people coming in asking for that massive grip that uh, Bryson's been using? Very few. Although <laughs> I will tell you, I'll tell you what, you, I, I just put a set, set on a guy. He came in and he was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about quitting. I can, you know, used to be a good player. I could barely hold the golf club and he had horrible arthritis in his hands. I've got arthritis in my hands, but this guy had horrible arthritis. And I put that grip on, it changed, it told me it changed his life. Yeah, I see. Because I mean, you could actually hold the golf club. Yeah, I was looking. I mean, they're interesting. I mean, they certainly could work for certain players. I just don't know who. Obviously, it works for him. He's, he has a specific reason for using them. Yeah, I, I think for, for the a- re- average recreational player, it's much more for uh, someone with arthritis. Most even monster-sized hands would not use that 
larger grip. It's more for arthritis. That doesn't mean, listen, there's something to what Bryson's doing. This is my point of you can't tell someone what's the perfect size because in the theory would be that that's way too big for him, but it's not the way he's holding. He wants to hold it a different way and he wants to, and it works really good. So can't argue with the results. Correct. All right. I'm, I'm sure people are dying for us to get to the, the head discussion because everyone wants to know what's the difference between a game improvement iron and a player's iron and <laughs> all the all these questions <laughs> that people ask. Is there anything else about about size that you'd like people to know about? I think we got we think we got it got it covered. If it, hopefully we'll have time at the end, we can talk a little bit about one length. Yeah, that actually that that's a question someone asked, and you know I did an experiment with you years ago on it, but we we certainly I mean it's as much time as you have, Woody. I'll, I'll go forever if you if well, you. Well, <laughs> I mean, do you want to talk about one length, or do you want to? Let's let's leave wanna, that towards the end. Yeah, leave it towards the end. I think that's a good. We'll leave it towards the end. Let's talk about. I mean, there are so many different iron heads available now. I know back in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, when you have two choices, now you got I, I can't <laughs> even count. Where do you start? with the iron head because you know there's so much like people love the look of certain irons you know they want they think they need a game improvement iron or they want to play a blade because it looks prettier so where do you start with picking the right iron head well i i've got to take you kind of back through our process so what we try and do is test every single club head that comes in Pre-COVID, we would try and sit down and talk to the engineers that designed it and figured out why did they do this? What were their their target? What were they trying to do? And so we we have we we know what was it? How it was designed and intended to? Not the marketing materials that you read, but the real dirty dive with the engineers of talk of moving center gravities and a uh, 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 soul interaction and all, all kinds of crazy things that we 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 talked to them about and then testing on our own, going okay, well this club. For this player, we think is going to launch higher. This player for this for this player, we think is going to launch lower. And then obviously we got to prove that when we're we're fitting that, you know, that player say, oh, I think this will be good. Well, we got to prove it, right? Sure. So I, I, one thing I want to touch about here is that that strong loft thing. So if you just take your irons and bend them two degrees stronger, uh, are they going to go further? No, they're going to fly lower. Now, for some, that might mean it's going to fly further. For others, it's going to mean it's going to fly shorter. Let's, so I think we need to understand why, well, why are these lofts loft on these hot game improvement clubs so jacked up? If I'm designing a golf club, I want to, if I'm for a high handicap, I say, okay, I want something that's going to be as maximum forgiveness. I want to lower the center gravity as low as I possibly can on the face of that iron. The lower I make it, the more forgiving I'm going to make the golf club. Problem is, there's a side effect. The side effect is that lower center of gravity launches the ball much higher. So how do I give that player the same ball flight with their 7-iron, let's say 7-iron for example, as they do with their 7-iron, but give them a more forgiving golf club? I bend the loft stronger. You can't just make the loft stronger. The ball's going to fall out of the air. It won't. You, you have to lower that center of gravity. And the quote-unquote game improvement iron, they are lowering that center of gravity as much as they can. That's why you see a wider sole. That's why you see a, a big uh, cavity back in the back a lot of times. Some of the super game improvement today clubs are hollow, like a basically a, a thin down metal wood. 
They're doing that to get as much weight as they can down to the bottom of the golf club so that the center of gravity is lower, but they have to make the loft stronger to make it fly the same. Which is all, which are all good things for golfers who need help. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very much so. Now, it doesn't mean it's not maybe not going to leave them with big gaps at the bottom of their bag, and that's something we're going to have to deal with when we, at the point we get to, to wedge fitting. You need what you need. Now, for some players, that's a very bad thing. So, for example, if I give you a 7-iron that flew 200 yards and it, and, it, and you can't hold the green, that's not going to work very quite well for you, right? So we've got to find something that's going to give you the optimal launch conditions that will stop on the, on the green and, and fly consistently. Some clubs are going to work a little better for someone who hits the ball lower in the face. Some will work better for someone who hits the ball higher in the face. Some will work better in the toe. Some will work better in the heel. In If I'm going to be generalized, which I think is important for this, right? So that more game improvement golf club is going to be more forgiving when someone hits it in the toe of the golf club. Was that, that's where that player hits it. Go all the way to, the, to the, 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 the blade player. That blade player is obviously hitting the ball in the center of the face, so they better be or they shouldn't be using them. <laughs> but they're usually hitting it a little lower on the face. So that's where they're trying to put the center of gravity there for that player. Not always, by the way, but in general, I'm generalizing. Sure. So what, what do you feel like is the main considerations when... You know, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, Titleist or TaylorMade or whatever, where they have their, their game improvement iron, their player's iron. And it's, it's almost, it can be confusing to people. Like, why would you move someone towards the quote unquote player's iron versus the game improvement iron? Well, I'm looking for consistency and I'm looking at consistency in not only in, 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 in left and right, but high and low and something that's good. Now, now here I'm worried about, well, this club is going to go way too low. This club is going to go way too high. I'm affecting my ball flight with my iron head. So if you're a low ball hitter, I need to have an iron that's going to get that ball up in the air more. If you're a high ball hitter, I need to hit the ball lower. Now, I may be doing that with launch. I may be doing it with spin. I may be doing a combination of both of them. I may not be able to get you to launch any higher or launch it any, any lower, depending upon your, your, the problem that you have as an individual. But if I can give you consistency, you can play better golf. I, I think you know, the biggest part of the golf club that has that, play, that player's distance iron, right? That's the biggest category that's grown in, in uh, irons. And I think what the manufacturers have figured out is that, hey, there's a lot of players that want to look at a certain, what we quote-unquote, good-looking golf club, they want to have something that, that, that is that's soft and feeling. By the way, very important. Soft and feeling does not mean forged. Okay? Forged can be hard. Forged can be soft. Cast can be hard. Cast can be soft. There, that's, that's a very, it's a, it's a myth, right, that forged is softer than, than cast and that forged is for a better player and cast is for a weaker player. There's plenty of players on tour playing cast irons and there's plenty of higher handicaps using forged irons. So... That's uh, a, a myth I like, like to dispel. But that player's distance iron, what the manufacturers have said, well, we want this kind of a smaller profile head, but we want to put technology in it to make it easier to hit. So they, how can we lower that center of gravity and, but give it, keep it in a nice player's looking type iron? Some doesn't have a lot of offset. You know, it's interesting that I, I, a lot of people say, I don't like offset. Oh, offset makes the ball go left. 
practically it does make the ball go left. However, the reason why they put offset and irons, and I'll go back to the, the ping thing when he's doing his testing, the more weight you put out in the toe, that makes the ball want to go more right. So you've got to compensate for that somehow. If you can't get enough weight in the heel, which in the early days they couldn't do in any way to do it, they had to put a lot of offset in there to mathematically make that golf club go straight on a robot. Today, there's so much they can do. There's the, these engineers are so bright that they can do a lot and make a club a lot more stable and not have that offset in it that they couldn't, you know, 30 years ago. Here's a question for you that often comes up, and I, I don't quite <laughs> understand what people are talking about, even as someone who's a fairly skilled iron player. When they talk about like workability, like, oh, I want, you know, I want to play a blade because I can work the ball more than if I had a game improvement iron. Like, is there some truth to that? Like, what type of limitations are you placing on yourself by playing a quote unquote game improvement iron versus going more towards that bladey players type iron? So, in theory, the higher moment of inertia iron is harder to make the, the, the blade close and harder to keep the blade open. It wants to come back to square. So, in theory, in theory, that's harder to work. John, I, 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 I tell you, I work with a lot of great players. Just t- today, working with a, 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 a two-time National Club Pro uh, 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 champion. He's not using blades. He's looking for some forgiveness because he knows I don't hit the center of the golf club every time and he can work the ball just fine with those golf clubs. Do you think that was always a myth or is it more because like technology has allowed for more options in that at this point? I think it was always more of a myth than a fact. Got it. Technology's allowed them to do better things, but it was always a more of a, a, a myth than a fact. Now, Again, if I if I give you a blade, if we talk about the best ball strikers in the world, you know, the top 10 on the PGA Tour, they can make such a small change in their swing to make that ball fade more to the right or draw more to the left or go higher or go lower. And they have the ability to do that. And so they they may want a blade. They may want something that's in their mind because they can make a smaller just doesn't mean they couldn't take that more stable golf club and make it move they have to feel like i have to make a bigger adjustment to do that and i don't want to do that but i I, that it's it's listen people play golf for a lot lot of reasons if you want to play blades and that's what you love to play with and you're a 10 handicap i'm in that's what you want to play i'm i'm in you could play better with something else but if that's what you are going to enjoy the game with the most fine you got to understand that you're going to give up consistency because there's, you know, not a, a, a lot of, there's no room for error. There's no room for error. But, but today's blade, by the way, is very different from the blade of 20 years ago. The blade of 20 years ago, the center of gravity was in, towards the heel of the golf club. Today, it's in the center of the golf club because they, they have a science to know where it is and make those adjustments and put it right where it's supposed to be. They actually have a little bit of stability to them and they're consistent throughout where 20 years ago, that was not the case. So with getting the right club head, and obviously you're brand agnostic, you don't care who's who's stamped on the face of the thing. You're always trying to get the right mixture of, you know, ball speed, launch angle, and spin rate a lot of the times, correct? You're just trying to get that optimal range where you know the player can hit 
functional, somewhat consistent shots on the golf course, you know, control their distance and trajectory. That, that to me, is what successful iron play is. Correct. Correct. So what happens when you have, let's start with a player like me. Like I, I'm, I've been texting you lately. I've had my irons for five or six years now. I still like them a lot, but I'm wondering, you know, are my tendencies heading more towards the danger zone of me de-lofting and spinning it too low, and maybe my irons coming in a little too hot? And I'm, I'm coming to you saying, "Hey, Woody, can you get me something that could launch it a little bit higher with more spin, so that I can hold greens in tournaments with firmer conditions?" And your answer to me is going to be like, "Well, we'll see." But how would you solve a problem like that if you, had, let's say, you had a player with like you know low spin launching it too low? How can you solve that with the right head? Well, if I if I can get some with let's say a lower center of gravity that they can hit in the same same spot, that would launch it higher. Sometimes I might actually take and like a guy in your case, guys delofting it, I actually might make the lofts weaker because you're delofting it. So let me take some of that, put that some of that loft back on. Sure, will also help with the, you know, we 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 got into a turf interaction which is huge, right? You're delofting it, you're making that sole not interact with the turf the way it was really designed to, to interact with it. So maybe we could make it weaker. We do that a lot when we make iron heads, heads weaker. But what I, I'm going to do for, for, let's say you come in, John, I'm going to take you, we're going to have you hit your seminar. I'm going to see what you're doing. And I'm going to say, okay, I think that these two iron heads are going to work better. We're going to set them up. So the same, they're the same exact specs in your case, but we already know the, the, the size and the shaft, right? Cause we've done this before. We're going to check to make sure something hasn't changed. But let's assume for this this case that it has not changed. We're going to look to see, to, to, to find, is there something that will give us the results that I would like? And if there is, now we're going to talk about, hey, John, how does this look? How does it feel? Or if it looks and feels great, great. Now you're going to stop the ball better on the green. Or, nah, John, there's nothing better. Can't do it. Can't help you. Sorry. Go back with what you got. Right. And what you have is really good. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it, it, I'm always I'm always looking to squeeze a little more juice out of it. But I think we all are. Yeah, of course. And and for a player who do you find a lot of players maybe spin it too much with their irons where the ball's like climbing too much in the air? Is that a common problem? Yeah. So the, the, the problem is way more of players spinning it too much than spinning it too too little. The, the the too little guy has a, has a lot less options. Well, there there's a lot of good. Uh, that's a, a player category. There's a lot of good player irons that will spin it a lot less. They've they've they're designing it so that the same shot will spin four or five hundred RPMs less than another club, and that's going to help that player dramatically. And they're going they're going to hit it farther, which I'm sure most people will like. Yeah, but more important, they're going to be able to control that trajectory, yeah, right? I mean. And the other thing, is, again, if we harp harken back to what kind of conditions are you playing, right? So some companies talk about a window of, you know, I, I really want the club, the seven iron landing at 45 degrees. And I, we look at these things. We look at, at the scent angles. But I want to know where the person's playing their golf. So you are playing tournament golf. You're playing all different kinds of conditions. You, we may have to worry much more about the scent angle with you because you're going to play harder, firmer greens. Now, but I'm playing in windy conditions a lot too, uh-huh. so that's where, I, that's where I have my. I love when the wind blows when it's when it's tournament day and it's blowing 20 miles an hour. I'm like, let's go because I know I can pierce my irons through that wind. Right. So that's a conversation we're going to have to have, right? And you're going to say, Woody, I, I I can't give that up. Well, 
then we've got to be careful because if we add some more spin, you're not going to be happy. We add a little more launch, you'll be happy. If we add some more spin, you're not going to be happy. And we, we may not be able to accomplish that. We also might be. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the reasons why like another takeaway I, I would love people to have if they're going to you know, work with a fitter, get new equipment is do some homework on your game, you know, know your distances, you know, using the shot tracking companies I've discussed on the show before is important. Like know far, how far you're hitting each club, know your tendencies with your misses. Like when you go to someone like Woody, you want to say like, Hey, I have data here showing that I'm missing 65% of my greens. And most of the time it's going short and right. You love people to show up with this information. I'm assuming, correct? Yes. Oh, the more information I can get, the better. When I'm doing my player interview, the ones that are, the harder fittings are the ones I've got to pull it out of people. The ones that people that are trying to give me too much information, it's fine because I can I I will figure out what I need and what I don't need. But the more information, the better. Yeah. So you want to know? We're going to talk about turf interaction, I think, next here. But certainly, like someone who's playing in the wind, you don't want them spinning the ball a ton because you know the spin is is the enemy of the wind. The ball will just climb forever if you're hitting into the wind. Correct. So, or as someone else, so they could be playing. I know, you know everyone who plays golf in Arizona tells me there's not a not a hint of wind in the air, so that would be okay there. Right, and they're playing really hard greens. You're so they're playing really hard greens. They you know, if you're playing on the PGA Tour, you better launch it high and spin it like crazy because they're playing tabletops. Yep. Yeah. That's that's honestly like what I, you know, speaking anecdotally, that's that's the days I struggle probably more than other players or that my tendencies work against me is that if I'm playing on super firm greens, I'm like, oh, I better land this thing towards the front or else I'm not holding it. And that that creates another problem for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the windier conditions, like yeah, I probably have a, maybe a little bit more of an ace up my sleeve, but that's golf. We all have different tendencies, and I think the equipment you know can't solve everything. But I guess you're trying to tackle the top priorities. Correct. So any, I mean, the, the head discussion is is can get so complex. Another question, maybe you can tackle this one quickly. Like, do do you find yourself doing a lot of blended sets lately, where some people maybe want the more forgiving club on like the six, five, four iron, and then maybe the the nicer blade on the lower end of the, on the higher lofted clubs? Like, do you do that a lot? Or is that not really a thing you, you pursue? The answer is I, I tend to not like to do that. It doesn't mean I don't do it. And the reason why I tend to not like to do that is because you've now got two completely different center of gravity golf clubs, right? So let's say my four, five, and six are of one, and then my seven iron, I change to a different, more compact, different center of gravity. For a lot of guys, it's really hard to be consistent doing that. So it doesn't mean I don't do it because there are plenty of players that I do it. There have been some manufacturers done a better job on allowing us to mix things where they're trying to keep that CG in the same spot. So we can mix things, but even those, if you really dive into it, the, the engineer will say, yeah, it's as close as possible, but it's not identical. It's one millimeter, millimeter and a half different on the, on this club than is the other club. So we, 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 do, we do it, but I, I try not to. It really has to be the really good player. Got it. Right? So if you're a, a, a 10 handicap, chances are you're going to be much better off with a match set. The really good player, maybe they have a. We've got a real problem with those longer irons, and we've got to do something. Like you might be that cat, that that category of player, right? The the longer irons, you just can't get it up in the air. So maybe we have to do something there. As I always say, you know, there's no, you know, 
definites in, in, in fitting, but that's something I, I try not to do. Here's another question that I know I got and, and people always know. It's like it's determining kind of the top of your bag and the bottom of your bag with irons. Like where are you, you know, lofts, like where are you stopping and switching? We won't get into hybrids and fairway woods and wedges in this episode, but can you talk a little bit about that, like loft gapping and that that whole? Right. So I, I call, first of all, I call that that uh, that set makeup. And for every player, there's going to be a point where there's going to be a longer iron that's going to go either the same distance or maybe shorter than the iron after it. So let's just say, in my case, if I were to hit a traditional uh, 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 three iron, it would go the same distance maybe as my four iron, but way too low, and I could not ever hold a green with that golf club. It's, it's, It's different by speed. It's different by ball flight type. For example, in my case, let's say that uh, I'm a perfect example. I cannot hit hybrids. They don't work for me. I, my, my beta, my dispersion is way too high with them. So I'm going to use a four iron instead of a hybrid that I can hit much more consistently. Can I launch it as high as I might like to? I cannot. Can I hit it where I want to more often than not? I can. So that's player specific, right? So... There's plenty of players. We start their irons at eight iron, right? They're using, you know, f- five, six, seven hybrids because that's what they need. Yeah. So you're essentially marking like a line in the sand of diminishing returns. Right. But I, I think very important to understand that, okay, so there's player A that will do way better with a five hybrid than a five iron. And there's player B that goes, I've tried hybrids. I hate them. I can't hit them. And then you might explore maybe a fair, a higher lofted fairway wood potentially, or maybe I might give them a five iron, even though we we know that mathematically it won't work as well. It's going to work better emotionally, and his misses or his or her misses will be smaller with that golf club, so much better to put that in the bag. Got it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm similar to you. Like if you put a three iron in my bag, I, I don't think I could hit it farther than my four iron because it's just going to go. It, it's going to go too low with too little spin, and I just you know, it's, it's, it, and I actually do like my my three iron hybrid, so it's it, it's in the bag for a long time. And then on the opposite side of it, maybe we won't cross over into the wedge discussion, but where you make you're making decisions on the higher lofted clubs and where the the set is kind of transitioning over to wedges is that is that really what you're looking at down there? Yes, and uh, the, the again. Question of, uh, let's say, for example, let's say everyone's going to a pitching wedge, right? Very important, like lofts, right? So I can have pitching wedges, one, three that are 45 degrees, but one that goes 120, one that goes 130, one goes 140 because of where the center of gravity is. So you're going lofts and those, oh, I got a 45 degree pitching wedge, so I want to get a, a, a 50 degree gap wedge. Doesn't, you can't, those things don't equate. I will tell you when I'm looking at a gap wedge, I'm asking a player, do they use that gap wedge a lot around the greens or do they use it primarily for distance and only occasionally around the greens? If the answer is primarily distance, I want the matching gap wedge because it's got the same center of gravity, the same look, the same feel, and will produce the same consistent ball flight for that distance shot. And it will give the best gap going down to after the pitching wedge. And then we'll talk about those other wedges when we do a, we talk, do a segment on on wedge fitting. Sure. We, we need to talk about turf interaction because I, I, I you know, yeah, let, let's do it. That's something that's so underrated. So 
let's let's say we have uh, uh, two players on the extreme. Player A is more of a let's say more of a picker. They hardly ever take divots. If they do take a divot, it's a, it's a fat shot, but they don't take divots very often. That player, I'm gonna look for a like a, a sharper uh, uh, leading edge and maybe a little less bounce than an iron. Player B is steep. They tend to enter the ground first. They tend to take huge big divots. And that player, I'm looking for a much more rounded leading edge. I'm looking for maybe a little more bounce, especially for the good player. Having the right turf interaction with a, a sole is, 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 is critical. And each company kind of does its own thing. They decide this club here, we're going to put more rounded edge on it. This club, we're going to put a sharper edge on it. But you, you, you need what you need for your style of, of swing. And it's something that's very, I think, really overlooked for for a lot of players. Is there an, Are there enough options now? There aren't really enough options, but there yeah, cause are. Yeah, because I'm thinking about it. Like, how many, how many golf club manufacturers would really design an iron with no bounce in it or less bounce? If you, uh, again, I don't want to name names. If you, but if you get a lot of different seven irons and you look at the soles, they're all going to look a little bit differently. Sure. Okay. And you, you can kind of see one looks sharper and one looks like it's, it's duller. And there's no right or wrong. It's what you need. And the other thing a little bit is conditions that you play, right? So if you're playing really, really firm conditions, uh, you might need that sharper edge to, to get in there. You play. Yeah, you want to dig a little right, bit more. Playing softer conditions might be the opposite. I know if Adam was here, he'd be talking about ground contact it's a it's an impact fundamental that we discuss on multiple episodes and certainly for approach play it's it's very important because if you can't get that right you're not really giving the ball its proper marching orders at impact if you if you're not interacting with the turf properly i know that's something i've had to work on over the years getting the right ground contact and yeah you're right no one ever really talks about that with iron design it's it's mostly about distance and and forgiveness and those type of things you often never hear about turf interaction yeah yep and it's a huge it's a huge part of yes there's less option but there are options and something that should really be looked at so i want to just briefly touch on the on the loft jacking thing because i i said it so i'll, I'll talk about it again but the, the really loft is just a starting point and it really it's i don't want to say it's irrelevant but like you said you could have three clubs with 45 degree lofts stamped on them but they will all travel through the air with different trajectories and differences based on the club center of gravity and other design factors and i've done tests with you know i'm playing very you know people say one of the most egregious loft jacking irons out there and they're saying oh it's crazy but i've done tests with you know older seven irons versus my current seven iron and i can hit my current seven iron which is loft is like way lower than the old seven iron i can hit it higher than that one so that that's one thing like i kind of broke my own rule by saying the loft jacking but it, it it's really just a starting point and i and through all the testing i've done with you and on my own launch monitor I, i've seen some really interesting results where the loft doesn't really dictate too much it's more about how the club is designed and what's inside of it absolutely absolutely you know, the other thing people often say to me, well, listen, I want, you know, four degrees between every club. Uh, or I want to go and hit balls so we know exactly how far each club goes. You know, you have to be a really good player to start adjusting lofts that 
and, and the, these 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 uh, rocket scientists who design these iron. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yes, they are. I'm, I mean, they all they're all from the aerospace industry. They have set the lofts to give the the best gaps between clubs. That doesn't mean that you're going to going to we're not going to maybe adjust them, but we tend to adjust the whole set one way, the whole set the other way. You know, trying to get to some mathematical number really may not produce the best gaps at all. Here's another question we got. When you do iron fittings, I think a lot of people use like seven irons. Do you like to use multiple irons when you're fitting someone or, or is just using one good enough to get kind of a read on how the, how the rest of the set is going to go? So are we in a perfect world or are we in the real world? Because Let, when the, no, let's, the, let's talk about the real world because that's, that's where we're living, right? <laughs> in, in the real world, we've got to have so many clubs to, to test with that it's gonna, we test with seven irons. Back in the day, we tested with five, moved to six, now it's seven, you're trying to find a middle iron. The theory being that we don't want an iron that's too hard to hit because it's gonna be really hard to get good results and really hard to figure out what was a good swing, what was a bad swing. So we don't want to get a five or a four iron because it's really hard to hit. We don't want a eight or a nine iron or a wedge because they're easy to hit. And so I might not be able to figure out the small differences. So I want something in the middle to fit with. If you were in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a perfect world, hey, it would be great. Let's have a seven iron, a five iron, a, a, a nine iron. That's not reality. Overkill. The other thing is remember that if you're going to get fit for golf clubs, how many good swings are you going to be able to produce before you start making bad swings? Uh, my number is about 30 to 35 for the average player where they're going to start producing different results. So you've got a limited time here to figure out what someone's doing. Well, we can't go hit seven iron and then five iron and then nine iron. You'd have to, it would have to be days and days and days of testing and fitting uh, of golf clubs. So it's, it's impractical. So probably what Phil Mickelson does to the Callaway guys. <laughs> you know, chances are he's hitting every single club. Yeah, he probably wants to leave no stone unturned. They're looking at all the numbers, but they're also not, he's not using a different center of gravity in his seven iron than he is in his nine iron. Sure. Right? He's using a match center of gravity. So they may do that to dial in his distances, but they're not doing that to to move because we're moving center of gravity. Okay. Is there anything else in the in the head design? I'm sure we don't have unlimited time, but in terms of head design and picking the right one, is there anything else that you think you haven't covered that you want to you know let people know? Yeah, so I, I could fit you into, let's call it Iron X. And I'm like, hey, John, it's the best iron for you and then you start hitting like woody this thing feels horrible or this thing looks horrible now mathematically it might work best but it looks horrible it feels horrible that's not going to work so now we're going to have to kind of come to a compromise right what looks good and what feels good and it's close to as close to performing as i would like at the end of the day you're going to make that choice we find that most people like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hit brand Y because I, I've hit their clubs and they feel horrible. And I said, listen, let me just do it my way, brand neutral first, and then and then we'll 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 talk brand in a little bit. And they they're like, I would never have tried that because it's horrible. I, I I I I I don't like how it looks. And this one, this club looks really good and it feels really good because it was the right one for them. 
So you you got I like to look at look at it, you know, brand neutral first, then what look, what name, what feel were you looking for? Well, you want this forged golf club. Try this. Uh yeah, I don't hit it as well. Of course you don't. It's not the right club for you. Yeah, I never you can make yeah, a decision. I guess it's a subjective thing because you know, looks have never really mattered to me much. But you know, some people psychologically, if they're looking down at something on all their iron shots that they don't look they like that they don't like they might psych themselves out so you know i think your way is more efficient you know going the brand agnostic way and finding the best performance first and then maybe in several of those options you'll have something that you like the looks of better is that is that kind of a, a good compromise i'm assuming yep correct because i remember when uh, pete first fit me for irons years ago i for whatever reason i didn't want ping I just didn't like the way they looked back then. And he was like, this is the best iron for you. And I was like, you know, I think you're right. And it was a much better decision. I grew accustomed to how those irons looked and they performed better for me. So I'm someone who always you know, defers to the performance, but I, I get that looks are, are important to some golfers. Yeah. Well, each person's an individual, you know, you can't, you can't uh, look inside someone and say, oh, we should do X, Y, or Z. So let's briefly talk, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I, I still feel like it's kind of a, a niche of a niche, the single length iron thing. Me and you explored it when Bryson was first turning pro and Cobra came out with their set probably five or six years ago. I didn't love it just because I couldn't get past swinging the wedges that were the length of a seven iron. I would be like, why would you give up that advantage of, I felt distance control with a longer club. I thought it maybe could help on the longer irons. But for me, someone who had been playing 20 years, I was like, I can't switch to this. It's just, it's just too different. Have you seen any advances in that area? Are, are you fitting any players into single length irons? So we, we don't do a lot of it. First of all, Cobra's really the only company that's making a, a real good quality designed one length iron you it's very difficult to to design a, a one length iron I, I actually love the 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 theory behind it I, I i think you know for beginners it would be fantastic yeah that's like if i was taking up the game of golf or i knew someone was taking it up i'd be like that idea makes a lot it could just simplify everything for them it makes it makes sense theoretically like you said right right I, and so I would say, in for me in general, the 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 single length iron works for for two players. It works for the beginner golfer, who is you know it would make it so much easier. Hey, stand here the same way every club, hit it the same way. Or for the really really talented player who is iron game is is a weakness. Okay, and so I'm going to use the the example, and I know he won't mind me using his name. Uh, there's a gentleman named Matt Dobbins. He's a phenomenal player, won a national club pro championship twice. He, he After he had played 10 PGA Tour events, he got the stats together, and they came back, and they were telling him, well, oh, your putting is top 15%, your driving is top 10%. He's like, well, something bad is coming here because I've never made a cut. And his approach play from 150 to 200 was like dead last. He hits the ball so far that we, when he plays these normal golf courses around here, he doesn't hit middle long. doesn't hit them. But on the tour, he has to, has to do that. And so we made a project out of, of building him a, a single length set of, of irons. And he ended up making two cuts on the PGA Tour with those single set, sets of irons. 
But that took you forever to make. Well, <laughs> I remember you telling so, me the stories about it. <laughs> the, the problem was that few people, you know, Golf Digest published an article and a few people came in and said, hey, can we do this? I said, well, we can. You, you write me a check for $10,000 and pay the balance when we're done. And they go, what? I'm like, the, the time that it took, not only the time in, in testing and, and building, but you can't just take a regular head and say, oh, we'll make all these the same length. All iron heads are different weights. Your longer irons are, are lighter and your shorter irons are heavier. Your irons progress in weight. So if you're making everything the same length, you've got to make every head the same weight, which means you've got to add weight to those longer irons and take weight out of the shorter irons. Yeah, I remember you sending me pictures of it. You had like lead tape all over because you, oh, yeah. you did this with, uh, these were Titleist irons, correct? Yes. Yes. So they weren't. This was before Cobra even had come out with their set, or just around the same time. Yeah, I think I possibly think just before. Yeah, I think I think just before actually. Yes, and you know you're moving the center of gravity around when you're doing that. So okay, I've got a, uh, uh, you know, we when when Cobra designed that one length, they're moving that center of gravity around dramatically because they know that when you've got a four iron that's seven iron length, the ball's not going to fly as high in the air. So I've got to lower the center of gravity of that iron to try and get the ball up in the air more. I've got a pitching wedge that's seven iron length. That's gonna fly way higher because of the longer shaft. So therefore I've got to maybe raise the center of gravity. Uh, they really have to work very hard. Now you can only do so much yeah. when you've got an existing head and you've got to test, 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 build, test. So long story short, it's a little bit of a can of worms that might be worth more trouble than the benefit you're getting. I would say this, John, to those people out there listening and thinking, you know, that could be good for me. It's a great idea. And I'm, you know, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just telling you that if you've been playing golf a long time, it's going to be quite difficult to move, you know, to, to, to stand the same way. You're so used to club gets shorter. You move the ball in the back of your stance. The, the club gets longer. Move it up in your stance. You know, one of the things that Matt said to me, I was actually just asking me asking the other day, and he said he found even though his four iron was the same length as his eight iron, we used eight iron lengths we end up using for him, he was swinging the four iron faster. Hmm. Why is that? He was not trying to swing it faster, but he was. And you, you know, DeChambeau uses the one length, right? One of the things is that guy's got a lot of speed. If you have a lot of speed, yes, it's something maybe you should, but if you're the average person. Yeah, you can't get those longer, the lower lofted irons in the air. Can't get them in the air, correct. Yep, that that was the problem I had when I tried it. I couldn't get, the foreiron was just coming out so flat for me. I just, I just could not, that was probably a spin issue as well. I just remember thinking like, I wasn't getting the benefit on the lower lofted irons. And then with like a pitching wedge, I was airmailing the green. I couldn't control my distance. So again, we didn't do a, a full test, but I, I tried them out for a bit. And it, it, it clearly was like, this just isn't for me. But um, I, I know some people who've done it, who've got, I think Adele is another company that's pursued it. Yes, I, know some pe- it I, I know some people who've gotten it through them and are very happy with the results. So listen, I, I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but it, it, I think it, it, it's an interesting concept. I just think it hasn't really maybe come to the fruition that a lot of people thought it would maybe five years ago when Bryson came out on tour. Maybe it will get more popular. I guess it's hard to predict. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping it gets more popular, but I suspect it won't. Yeah. All right. We've covered a lot. 
any other big ideas that you try and convey to golfers to educate them on irons that you think we have not covered? Boy, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure later on I'll figure out, oh, I'm, we missed that. <laughs> I know. It's of that, but off the top of my head, I think we've got it covered. Do you? Where do you see things? I mean, I, I think speaking with you all these years and, and looking at what you do over at Pete's Golf, I just see more and more options to accommodate different styles of players and make the game a little easier and more functional for them. Like, where do you think, I asked you this with drivers, but like, where do you think we can go from here? Uh, Are there going to be adjustable irons? (laughs) Where's the technology going to go? You know, adjustable irons is a very interesting question. And there may be, there may not be. There's a lot of reasons why you won't see it from an economic side. Do you really need it from a practical side? I, I'm not so sure that you do. But I will tell you what, if you we were having this conversation five years ago and you said to me, you know, Woody, I don't think they could get so much better. And then we could fast forward to five years ago. Woo, it's gotten better. So what, when you say better, what, what tangibly is that to a golfer? More consistent, more repeatable, simple. More consistent, more repeatable. Easier to use. And better designs that uh, allow, you know, you talk about options, right? So the more and more options as a club fitter I have, the better I can fit you for, right? I mean, if I've got a shaft that's sitting on the wall that I haven't used in two years because I never saw that player, but that player walks in the door, boy, I'm very glad I got it sitting on the wall because I need it for that particular player. So, but that might be an option that you don't use very often, but you need to have it in your toolbox because if you're that person that comes in, you want to get the same treatment that the, you know, 80% that fit in a certain, you know, the majority of the window get fit also. So I need to have those options. The more options, the better job I can do, the better fit I can give someone. So you're just becoming a better, a better problem solver. Absolutely. And it's come a long way from just having one clunky quote-unquote game improvement iron and one blade to choose from and that was it right (laughs) back in the day that's it and and i also tell you john i always say this to people that you know someone always if someone tells me they know everything about something i i i run away because the the this to me the smartest professionals in the world are always trying to get better and trying to know to find out more and maybe there's someone that does know more about something and it can help them better. I I have a quest for knowledge when it comes to golf. I'm trying to learn every day. I'm trying to get better every day at my craft. And I I spend a lot of time doing things that don't result in me learning anything because if you, man who never took a chance, never got a chance. So if you don't go talk to different people and you don't listen to other ideas, you you don't have a chance to to get better at your craft. All right, here's, he'll be my final question because I got this one. I think I uh, don't know if we covered it. Assuming you have, you found the right irons for your game, how long should they last from a technology perspective? And then I often get asked, do the grooves wear out? So maybe a two-part question there. I would say for your average golfer, seven to 10 years. Okay, so quite a while. Yeah, seven to 10 years. The grooves do wear out some the softer made golf clubs are going to wear out faster and the the harder made golf clubs doesn't mean they feel harder or they feel softer but the harder made golf clubs are going to last longer but grooves do wear out but you got to be playing a lot of golf sure i would say that in general we see faces worn out with really good players we don't see it a lot with your 
10 handicap and you hardly ever see it with a 20 handicap. And the reason why is that a 20 handicap is using the entire face of the golf club. They're not hitting it the same spot every time. And so over a 10 year period, they're never going to wear the face out where a really good player is hitting it in the same place time after time after time. They're probably practicing a little bit more and they're probably playing a lot more because to be a good player, you've got to, you've got to put some time in. And so they'll wear out faster. What would that, what would that be? Faster, it's, it's worn tires on a car, right? So it doesn't mean I'm going to get an accident, but it gives me a, a, a higher, greater percentage chance I'm going to get an accident. And that really means distance control for, for, for a good player, right? If they're, they're, the, the, the grooves are taking moisture or debris away from the face when it's trying to make contact with the, with the golf ball. So if those grooves are worn, it's going to be, the, the ball's going to be slipping or not slipping off the face more often. This is a little, this is a little preview of our, uh, of our wedge discussion that will be yeah, coming in the exactly. near future. <laughs> All right. So let, let's wrap it up there. Woody, my friend, thank you so much for your time as usual. I feel bad we haven't actually played real golf this year. Yes, that's my fault. I'm sorry. We're running out of time, but that's okay. We did cross paths the other day at our tournament, yes. but uh, <laughs> which you ousted me quite handedly. <laughs> where where can everyone find you? Pete'sGolf.com. That's our, our website. You want to email me, you can email me at woody at Pete'sGolf.com. It's just P-E-T-E-S-G-O-L-F.com, no apostrophe. Yeah, everyone, I mean, I'll, I'll give my plug for them again. They are amongst the best in the industry. Whether you live in the New York metro area or you're traveling through or want to make a trip, it, it's certainly worth it. Woody and, and all the other guys there, Kirk, Pete, Sonny, the whole staff, oh no, they, they know what they're Rob. doing. Rob, you guys are the best. So thank you so much for, for sharing your knowledge with us again. And we're, we're going to have you on, on more episodes. So thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, John. I, I love it. And I look forward to, to doing it again. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. Once again, this is John Sherman from Practical Golf. You can find me at practical-golf.com. My co-host, Adam Young, who could not be here today, he'll, he'll be back on our next episode. You can find him at adamyounggolf.com. Get his strike plan, what he was talking about, golfers striking it all over the, the club face, which is not a good thing. So Adam's strike plan can help you out with that. And thank you so much to our sponsor, the Indoor Golf Shop. You can find them at shopindoorgolf.com. If you're in the market for a simulator, launch monitor, add-ons like hitting mats or practice nets, you can give them a look. The technology is often confusing for people, but you can give them a call and they will help you out. So you can check them out at shopindoorgolf.com. Thanks for their continued support. And thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time with a new episode.